Congregation, the text for this Friday, Good Friday morning service is from Mark 15, the verses 37 and 38. Mark 15, 37, 38. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom so far. What the death of Christ did to the veil. What the death of Christ did to the veil. Three thoughts. A closed veil, and the opening of the veil, and entering through the veil. What the death of Christ did to the veil. In the first place, a closed veil. Secondly, the opening of the veil. And in the third place, entering through the veil. The congregation, before we go to our text, let me give you some background information from Revelation. The book of Revelation, especially chapter 21. Maybe you can see the connection. And the city lies four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city where the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height are equal. So what does John see in the vision? He sees a cube, right? Not a cone, not a cylinder, not a ball. He sees a, a, a cube. The length and the breadth and the height is equal. I mean, discover from the Bible that that three-dimensional shape the cube is a holy shape. There are also holy numbers. Like the number seven is the number of God's fullness. But there's also a special three-dimensional shape, the cube. And it's huge. 12,000 furlongs high, 12,000 furlongs wide, uh, in, in all different directions. 12,000 furlongs, a furlong is 200 meters. So what is 12,000 furlongs? 12,000 furlongs is 2,400 kilometers. Is 1,500 miles. So John, in Revelation 21, sees something of a cube so huge, not like a dice. A dice is also a cubicle, right? A, 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 a cube with six faces. But this is so huge, 2,400 kilometers. Well, airplanes fly at 10 kilometers high or so, right? 
And this is so much higher and wider and deeper. It's the symbol of symmetry. The symbol of perfection. The, 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 the symbol, symbol of, of being so organized. It's so perfect. It's perfection. A cube is perfection. Just a little bit less here or there. Just makes that whole cube out of shape. But it is so beautifully shaped. You say, where are you going with that? Well, I see that same cube in the Old Testament. I see that same cube in the tabernacle, in the temple. Because you know in the temple is the holy place with the altar of incense and the table of showbread and the candlestick. And there is a veil, right? Behind that veil is the holiest of all. And that holiest of all is a perfect cube. The holiest of all is the place where the ark is and the cherubim and where the Lord reveals himself in his glory. And of course that has to be a perfect shape. So not so large, not so high as the city in Revelation 21 with 2,400 kilometers, 1,500 miles. This is just 10 cubits. 10 cubits wide. So this little more than 3 meters. And 3 meters high, 3 meters deep. That's all. But it's, it's perfect. And it's the Example, the symbol of what? What do you think? The most perfect cube in the holiest of all is an example of heaven. Because the throne of God is there. There's so much perfection. Everything fits. Everything is symmetrical. Everything is beautiful. Moses was on the mount, was on the mountain when the Lord showed him something of this. And he had to come down and he told the people what he had seen on the mount. He had seen at least that cube on the mount. Listen to this, Exodus 26. And thou shalt rear up the tabernacle according to the fashion of which was showed thee in the mount. So Moses saw that shape, that fashion of the cube on the mount. He saw something of heaven and he said, that's how we're going to build the tabernacle. With the cube in the, in, in the second place. So that place was a dark place. There was the ark. Ark means chest. 
And there was that veil that separated the holy place from the cube. You could not enter into that cube. That cube was so holy. Nothing crooked could go in there. The veil was made of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and finely twisted linen with cherubims worked into it. It was to be hung before the Holy of Holies, which was a perfect cube of ten cubits or feet per side. The veil was hung by gold hooks on the acacia wood frame, which itself was overlaid with gold, and the Ark of the Covenant was kept behind the veil. But the most important thing I have not mentioned yet is not only that cube and the veil and the cherubims worked into that and the beauty of the veil, but that above the ark, in between those wings of the angels, was invisibly, but really, the glory of God. His holy, heavy presence, the original word means. The glory of God. He was there present himself. Now we know that the Lord is omnipresent, right? He is everywhere. You can't include him, you can't exclude him. He is anywhere. But the Lord is especially where two or three are gathered together in his name. We know that as well. So we know and believe the Lord is also in a special way present this morning here. But in the temple, in the tabernacle, in that holy cube, he was really, really present. The Lord really revealed himself there, and he was there in a very special way. So we cannot compare the tabernacle with the synagogue. That's so different. We cannot compare the tabernacle with the church building. It's so different. That most holy place was dedicated to the Lord always was there. You cannot say that of a church building, right? It's a building. And we respect it and there's certain things we don't do there. But it's, it's not the temple. It's not the tabernacle. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. And the cloud covered the tent of the congregation. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So the Lord was present. The Lord was in a, in a concentrated way there. And as you know, only the high priest on Yom Kippur. You know the Yom Kippur war, right? The Day of Atonement. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest could go in there for a short time. 
And he opened the veil carefully in the middle or in the, on the side, I don't know. But he opened it. He had to sacrifice for himself first. And then he had to sacrifice for the people. And he had a pan with hot coals and incense before him. So there was also smoke. So he could hardly see where he was going. And then he entered into that most holy place. Can you imagine how he felt in God's presence, trembling? You know, when people attend Lord's Supper, they may feel something of that trembling and something of that presence of the Lord. But this is, this is way deeper. So the, the high priest, he, he went in. He was allowed once a year. And when he left, the curtain closed again. And you looked at that curtain, you could not see the difference. It was closed again for the rest of the year. Locked. Hebrews 9. But into the second, that is is the most holy place, in the second when the high priest alone once every year not without blood which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. So the fact that the high priest was allowed to go in there once here plus promising that in the future someone else came and would open the veil and that the veil would stay open. But the time was not there yet. The way of unto the holiest was not yet made manifest, was not yet open. So the curtain closed again. And they had to stay out of there. Indicating that no atonement was made yet. And that the matter between God and man was not solved yet. There is no room for imperfection in that holy cube of ten by ten by ten feet. And it could not be solved as long as only animal blood would be shed. Your animal blood is not doing it. You can pour animal blood as much as you want and sacrifice all animals of the whole world. It won't do anything. It's insufficient. So that's why the curtain was opened only once a year to tell that someday in the future the curtain will be opened. That there was hope, but also that feeling I have not yet. There was no real children. There was no real substitute yet. Nobody could be too close to God, and nobody could 
had the key, so to speak. God was too holy, too angry with sin. Yes, God is love, he is merciful, he is good, but he's, he's also just. And he does not forget. And he knows that in that most holy cube, only people have a place that are perfect. You need perfection yourself in order to get through that veil and to stay there. How can you have that bad furniture and those crooked people in such a holy cube? It doesn't fit. It doesn't make any sense. They have to be chased out. Say, no, you can be here. This is the holy place. 2,400 kilometers was a city, high and deep and wide. The Lord does not forget. And I saw the dead, small, and great stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those books, out of the things that's written in the books, according to their works. So the Lord does not forget our sins. And that's why people cannot enter into that holy place, except we receive that perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how do you feel this morning? How do you feel regarding that most holy place? Do you fit there? Do you fit in that holy cube? Could you be tolerated before the throne of God? Would you have to be chased out? Or do you say, minister, there is anyone on earth who does not belong there? It's me. I don't belong there. How can I be there? That God is a consuming fire. It's, it's impossible for me to be there. Maybe that's your concern. And maybe you're trying to find the door. Maybe you find the back around the tabernacle. You say, where is the door? How can I ever get in? Maybe you have a desire to be with God. Maybe you have a hunger for God and not knowing how to enter in. Well, it's good that you, that, that, that you realize that, that you know the problem, but there's also a solution. Our second thought, the opening of the veil. <clears throat> We turn now to the gospel. So he talks about Revelation 21, about the cube and the veil. Let's now go back to Mark 16. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost, and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. The Lord Jesus was executed was killed. And he was not drowned. He was not decapitated. He was not stoned. He was not burned. He was crucified. 
So why crucify? Well, drowning a person takes a few minutes. Horrible minutes. Being decapitated takes maybe one minute. Being stoned may take a couple hours. Being burned, I don't know how long that would take. But they, they needed to find something that went very, very slow. Not, not a very quick death, but a slow death. So that it took hours and hours and maybe days before someone had to, had, had to give the ghost and was done with suffering. So the Lord Jesus had to be crucified, had to go slow, slow. That's the thing. And not only slow, it also had to be painful, really, really painful. And did it hurt? It's immense. Often the people hanging on the cross passed out once in a while. There was so much pain. And no or hardly any sedation. And it had to be a curse death. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. So the Lord Jesus received it all. He received that slow, painful, cursed death. He was crucified. Yeah, yes, that's true, but nobody was able to take his life. Nobody took his life. Not? He, he, was, he was crucified. They took his life. No, they did not take it. He gave it. But they murdered the Lord Jesus, didn't they? Yes, but because the Lord allowed it. In the garden they, of Gethsemane, they fell backwards and the Lord showed them that they had no power. And when the Lord Jesus was in Nazareth, they wanted to throw him down from the hill. And he escaped because it was not his time. But now it was his time. And Jesus cried with a loud voice, and he gave up the ghost. He did it on purpose. He did that consciously. He did that voluntarily. John 10. Therefore does my father love me. Why? My father loves me because I lay down my life. I lay down my life. This is how often with I is here. Therefore does my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay down of myself. I have power to lay down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. I, 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 I do it. I lay down my life. I take it. I'm in church. Nobody else takes it from me. The Lord Jesus died willingly lovingly, 
to save his people from their sins. It was the third hour in the morning. That is nine o'clock our time. Nine o'clock in the morning. When they crucified Jesus. And he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Amazing. How you can pray that. They reviled him saying, if that be the Son of God, come down from the cross. But he, he could. No, he couldn't. In a way, he could. In a way, he couldn't. He could not come down from the cross because of the love and the promises and the prophecies. The chief priests were mocking and said he saved others. Himself he cannot save. Right. He cannot save himself because he wants to do justice and respect the justice of his father. We said to one of those thieves today, thou shalt be worthy in paradise. And Jesus beheld his mother, woman, behold thy son. We spoke, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he said, I thirst. And he said, there was a loud voice, it's finished. And there was a loud voice, he commanded his spirit into the hands of the Lord. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost, gave up the spirit. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it's finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit, it says in John. Now death, dying, death, is such an awe-inspiring moment, right? Have you been at deathbed and seen someone dying? And then it's over. He is not with us anymore. That's ah, inspiring. It's going to happen to you and to me. Unless the Lord Jesus will return before that. There'll be something. But we don't die ourselves. We have no power ourselves. It's taken from us. But the Lord Jesus gave it. And his death is infinitely more uh, inspiring because he had no sin. He died voluntarily and immediately there was an earthquake and many rose from their graves and the veil, the square veil, was rent in twain. Look at what it says in, in Matthew, Matthew 27, verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple is rent in twain from the top to the bottom, 
and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves. It was such a special moment, the death of Christ. Earthquake, graves opened. So that, that means that Christ could not do anything else but giving up the ghost that he, he gave to his father willingly. And the temple failed, rent, was torn, not from the bottom to the top, from the top to the bottom. Not just gently open, but ripped open, torn open violently so you could see you could not repair it anymore it was not just gently open and closed it, it was just open it was rent in twain not in three parts or five parts in two parts one to the right one to the left I mean it's open now and it has to stay open it has to be permanently permanently open now in the Old Testament, the high priest could only open it briefly and leave again. A permanent opening. The door to the cubicle space was open, indicating that God brings sinners inside, that he brings people to heaven. And he brings people to the city of the New Jerusalem in the holy cube of 2,400 kilometers high and wide and deep. Open. How is it possible? Why, why is it that, that, that now it, was, that it remained open? But Christ did not come with the blood of animals but with his own blood. His own blood. Hebrews 9. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in, 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 at once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And an explanation for if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot of God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? curtain was opened, torn, an invisible hand opened it. And that veil is a symbol of the body of Christ. I would not have dared to say that if only Pink would say that, or Comte would say that, or whoever would say that. I have no freedom to fill any 
unknowns in the Bible. But the Bible itself says that the veil that was torn refers to the flesh of Christ. I find in Hebrews 10, verse 20, we'll come back to that, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. The veil that is to say his flesh. So the Lord Jesus took upon himself the human nature, the body and soul. And it was perfect and beautiful. He was torn. This is my body, broken for you. So when I break the bread at the table, at the Lord's supper table, it's the same as the full opening. The flesh. The veil opened. The wonder. Now there is room. And I might preach that this morning. That holy cubicle. The presence of God was separated from us by the veil. And now the veil is open. The door is unlocked. And the door remains open. And that may be preached to sinners today. That's Good Friday. The door is open. The veil was rent. He gave his life. He was satisfied himself. He was satisfied the Father. He satisfies God's people. He satisfies justice. He settles it all. Well, nice to hear. The door is open. You have heard it more often. But you need to go through it. You need to go through the door. Entering in yourself through the veil. Our third thought. Our third thought, entering through the veil. Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost and the veil of the temples rent in train from the top to the bottom. Connect that to Hebrews 10. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to save flesh and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having therefore brethren boldness. Think, think about that. The Apostle Paul, or whoever the author is of Hebrews, tells the congregation. Having, therefore, brethren, boldness. And we have boldness. What does he mean? Uh, is he talking about an experience in his heart? That he feels boldness. He feels assurance. He feels freedom. No. Having, therefore, brethren, 
permission, have therefore freedom, have therefore the opening, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter. There is no sign, no entrance. No, it says free access. Boldness to enter by a new and living way. What is a new way? The Dutch translates that with fresh. A fresh and living way. The way to, to, to the sanctuary is always new, is always fresh, is never old, is never old-fashioned, is never outdated, is never closed, is never eroded, is not maintained, and that you can't go anymore. No, it is, it's, it's a fresh, new, always accessible road. There are no barriers. There are no deep holes. There's not so much damage done to the road that you have to stop. We can't go further. There's never a possibility that the road is washed out. So boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new always new and living way. A living way. Christ is the living way. He is the life himself. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, he can give life. And only through him we can receive life. There's no other way. I am the way. He is the door. But did you hear that? By a new living way, he has consecrated for us through the veil, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, and then let us draw near. With a true heart, in full assurance of faith, let us draw nigh with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So with repentance and letting sin go, and with the choice of heart, let us draw near. Always fresh way. Let us. The apostle doesn't say only pray for it. He does not only say use the means. He doesn't only say wait upon the Lord. He says, let us draw near. Let us draw near unto him. Let us take refuge unto him. To seek salvation only in him. Let us do it. Let us, let us draw near. Let us. Is that 
of salt to be found. You know the place in the Bible? Let us come, let us. Oh, yes. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in around. Enter ye in. Is that a word to only God's people or so? You can say that. Enter ye in. Or one well-known text, Isaiah 55, 7. Let the wicked forsake his way. Stop it. And the unrighteous man is thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. It's also this morning. That's a calling to repent and to seek salvation only in him, because that veil of the temple is rent, and there's such a holy, holy place behind there. For how is this well? Are not my ways equal? Are not your ways unequal? Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby ye have transgressed and make you a new heart and a new spirit, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? The veil rent from the top to the bottom. Now, some of you have seen that, I mean, have believed in that, have rejoiced in that, have entered in through the blood of Jesus. Some of you had that freedom, that boldness, and that they, they saw that access, and they couldn't help it, but they fled unto the Lord Jesus Christ to seek salvation in him. And they saw that open veil, and maybe now, this morning, they feel that the veil is so closed. Maybe something not sitting well. Maybe you misinterpret things. Maybe you're suffering in different ways. Maybe there's darkness for some reasons. But let me say something. That veil is still open. Don't sew it together again from the bottom to the top. Don't do that. Let go. Let the Lord be the Lord. Today we celebrate the death of the cross and the death of the Lord Jesus was so powerful. It opened the door. It rent the veil of the temple or the tabernacle and it gives access to the cubicle to the place of God is. And again, think of that 2,400 kilometers high and the 2,400 kilometers wide and deep. Do you think, is there enough room to save sinners? The door is open, there is room. Make haste before it is too late. Amen.